welcome back to the Practical Family Podcast. I'm Jen Bryant, and today I have on a friend and a guest. Her name is Monica Swanson, and she is the author of Boy Mom, What Your Son Needs Most from You. Welcome, Monica, to the podcast. Thank you so much. Great to be here. It's been a pleasure to get to know you because mm. this last year we were introduced via email by your friend, Wendy Speak, whom mm -hmm. I interviewed. She and Amberlea wrote the Trickers books together and those mm -hmm. are wildly popular. And she goes, you know what? I think you need to know my friend, Monica. Oh, by the mm -hmm. way, you live on the same island. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. How perfect was that? It's been a pleasure to get to know you. And I've had the pleasure of being on your podcast talking about boys. And now mm -hmm. we're sharing here with the Practical Family community about what it's like to be a boy mom. Mm -hmm. Is it as crazy as they say? <laughs> it's crazy in a good way. I say it's always exciting. And yes, it's crazy, but I'm at a place now where I'd say it's crazy in a good way. Good, good. And tell us how many boys do you have mm -hmm. and how old are they at this point? You bet. So I have four boys and the first three came just each two years apart and they are currently 20 18 and 16 and then six years and three months we just were calculating for some reason later i had another son and so my youngest is now nine years old wow yeah. just that one one more god knew you needed one more boy <laughs> yes <laughs> keeping me humble <laughs> Yeah, most of you know is my audience that I have a girl and a boy. They're 11 months apart. And my son is currently 10 years old. So I'm loving this age. I remember telling him when he was two, I'm like squeezing his little cheeks. I'm like, I love you when you're two. And then I'm like, I loved you when you were three. I loved you when you were four. I'm like, I truly have loved every stage yes. of your life. As different as it has mm -hmm. been, it's very different raising a girl and a boy. They just, they're different types of people. Yeah. But even as we talk today, and Monica, I know you mentioned before that, you know, the principles that we talk about today, we're speaking specifically about boys, but these principles can also be applied to girls mm -hmm. and you'll be able to tell when. I mean, there are certain sure. areas that we'll mention that are more like, okay, you know, boys and their natural tendency to do this mm -hmm. or to be aggressive mm -hmm. or testosterone or whatever. There right. are certain things that separate the genders, but on an emotional and spiritual level, all of our kids need some element of this. Yes. Yes. And I've heard from many readers of Boy Mom who say, why did you have to call it Boy Mom? Most of the book applies to girls too. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, I had a publisher and you just kind of have to figure out. But yeah, a good amount of the book will apply to girls as well. Yes. So, well, first of all, we are recording this in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm -hmm. And if you are listening to this later, after all this craziness has died down, you know, we, we made it through it. And can I just say and predict now that we're going to make it through? <laughs> Please do. <laughs> but how has this, as the mom of four boys, and I know that at least one of your sons had to come home from college, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Because the university yes. sent everybody home. How has life changed for you guys right now? Yes. Well, one more thing to go with all that is my husband is a hospital physician. So yes. that's another kind of interesting element of how it's affecting us. But we homeschool already, so we are used to all being home. My college son did have to fly home. And so there's a part of me that is honestly just loving this time. I have my four boys home. And though we homeschool, we are constantly coming and going between youth group activities and you know social events and prayer nights. And there's just a lot we do throughout the week 
So there is a part of me that has said, I just feel like my soul has been craving this more than I ever knew. And just that not having to worry each night, who's home, who's not, where are you going? Wait, dinner's not ready. Uh, you know, all of the back and forth. And so I feel like I'm just at a really happy mommy place of just, I got them all here all the time to go with that they're still able to surf. And I know that some people on the mainland and around the world are not allowed to surf. My boys are surfers. And so each day they find somewhere to get out in the water. And I think that really, really helps because they're not feeling pent up at home. And so I feel bad for the people who are going through this and stuck literally indoors in an apartment or a home all day because my boys are getting in the water or we're getting out for runs or hikes or something. And so in a way, I feel a little guilty that I'm enjoying this so much, but my heart aches because I know so many people who are really being effective in a negative way and who are scared or stressed. And my parents were on island when all this hit. They do have a condo here, but they were going to go back to Seattle where they live near Seattle, Washington, and they decided to stay. So I am bringing them their groceries and their prescriptions and all of that. So, you know, I'm definitely feeling that this is a very strange time. And my husband's in the hospital. He has been blessed to not have any COVID-19 in his particular hospital. Mm -hmm. And I think they have had some come in and out of the emergency room, but none are admitted at his hospital. So it's kind of surprising. We're all like, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? So, so far he gets to come home at night and be with us. And we're just prayerful and thankful and kind of seeing how this goes. Wow. Thank you for that perspective. That's very encouraging and hopeful. And I feel you when you say, I feel bad. I feel guilty that this is kind of a great time for us in a lot of ways, but it's important to find those silver linings, isn't Mm. it? We have to, we have, I know I've been through a lot of the stages of grief, even like Mm. denial that this is happening, bargaining, God, if I just do this, will this be better? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But also I'm kind you know, my husband's a surfer, so he gets that freedom too, but I'm, I'm an indoor person. I love Mm -hmm. it. But at the same time, we need a lot of that connection for sure. But I, I have been enjoying both of my kids, but my boy in particular, who (laughs) is he climbing the wall? Oh, he kind of is, but he needs that interaction. So he's like, can I get on zoom with so-and-so? Can I do this? Mm -hmm. Can I do that? Mm -hmm. And he needs the physical activity. Mm. So that we're doing a lot of chalk drawing outside. Mm. So I love to interact with him. I know that I'm interacting with him differently than I am with my daughter and, mm. and both of them together because both together, they bring just incredible gifts. They also bicker quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So even in the way that they argue, it's interesting to watch yeah, how they yeah. do that. But um, so speaking of experiencing those relationships. Let's talk a little bit about how in any situation, COVID-19 or not, how a mom can build a healthy relationship with Mm -hmm. her sons, whether it's one son or, you know, you have the sibling brother situation going on. What kinds of things really matter when it comes to building Mm -hmm. that healthy bond with your boys? No, I love that question. And even when you talked about doing the chalk art outside, it made me think immediately of how much boys thrive on interaction, but the shoulder to shoulder, more so than girls are a little more comfortable with eye to eye. So anytime you can do an activity with your son where you're working or walking or creating and you're side by side, it seems to open up those channels of communication. So that just made me think immediately when you said that of how much my son loves to do things together side by side. But of course, depending on the age, you know, when they're little, 
those snuggles, that physical touch, the words of affection, you know, all of those things are going to be key. It's as they grow up, I think we need to get more creative with how we can build those bonds with our sons. That's interesting. What kinds of things did you witness that change? Because I'm in the 10 year old stage right now and I'm wondering, mm-hmm. gosh, will he really not want to like kiss and hug on me when he's a teenager? Oh. Cause these are those horror stories that I'm hearing. But realistically, what did you notice? Right. I think that this is very much dependent on personality. And that's where I encourage moms to kind of be a student of your son. And, and I love to talk things like love language and, you know, personality types. Cause you know, even among all the boys, there's going to be, and even among my own four boys, there's such a range of personalities and of love languages. But um, I'm a big believer in physical touch always being important. But for example, my first son is just a little bit less affectionate physically. So when he hit a certain age where I noticed that we were like, not touching as much, I realized that I didn't want to let that go. And so I instituted a little rule, wink, wink. And I said, before bed every night we have to hug okay and of course he didn't argue with that so before bed I'd be like wait we forgot to hug and so we had hug and sometimes I would do the thing where you count to 10 so I'd be like oh it's really important for like I don't know chemicals in your body I think it is like a bonding thing and it helps you relax and so I'd go 10 9 8 and then I would each night not always the 10 second hug but I would give him a hug and then Occasionally, I would forget, and he'd be like, oh, mom, we better hug. Like, he would be the one to remember. So I tell moms, no matter what, you keep hugging, keep touching, keep giving them the back scratches and the shoulder rubs. But certainly, you want to be a student of your son and figure out what's going to communicate love to each one. And for some, it's going to be that quality time where you say, you know, let's go, you know, have a snack together. Let's take a walk. Let's take a bike ride. For another son, it might be acts of service where you say, can I just make you something, you know, your favorite snack? Or what can I do to really help you with this homework project? So I think being a student of our sons and daughters, again, this goes to both, is really helpful in knowing what's going to speak love to them the most. And then they're going to see that you're being intentional and usually they're going to reciprocate and want to also be in that relationship and continue to build. I love that. Being a student of our son, um, yeah. or of our kids in general, I find that, you know, just as when we talk about relationships, like with our husbands, right? Like learning each other's love language, mm-hmm. that it's just as important with our kids to not give expecting to receive the same thing in return, especially yeah. when they're not that type of person. Because right. I forget sometimes I have mm-hmm. to remind myself that your child is not you, Jen. Yeah. He needs yeah. different things. It's so true. And don't be offended if he's not reciprocating uh-huh. or whatever, uh-huh. you know? Yep. yep. Um, or if he responds in a way that you wouldn't respond like, it's not like, you know, what's the matter with you? It's like, okay, he's having mm-hmm. a hard time. Mm-hmm. Be empathetic, mom, right. be understanding. Yeah. But it's hard to put ourselves in that place when we're in the moment or when we're busy or whatever. Sure. Yeah, I think boy moms especially need thick skin because mm-hmm. sometimes boys will respond with things that you're like, oh, ouch. <laughs> and you also need a sense of humor for those moments, I think. Mm, grace, grace all over that. For well, sure. in, in the book, you talked about boundaries, freedom, and discipline, among many mm-hmm. other things. But mm-hmm. when, you, when you put those three together, boundaries, yeah. freedom, discipline, it looks like a sandwich almost when I see mm-hmm. those words together. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. boundaries are kind of like, mm, you know, people can respond to boundaries 
in negative ways, but also boundaries are really positive. Mm-hmm. Freedom. Okay. I like that. I like the freedom and then mm-hmm. discipline. Ooh. Okay. Ah. So, so did you, <laughs> did you do yeah. that on purpose or what I does did. that look like? It's funny. <laughs> I think you're the first person to notice that grouping and because there was some intentionality there. And at one point we talked about making discipline its own chapter oh. because discipline mm-hmm. is such a hot topic and everybody wants to know, the best way to discipline. And and I wish that there was some magic bullet, something that worked for everybody. And I have some extra resources that the book offers because there was just too much to include in that section. But yes, I think the key here is boundaries and freedoms work together so closely in that kids need boundaries, yes, but boundaries will only really work well if there are appropriate freedoms. Mm. And so especially for boys. And this is one of those things that yes, boys and girls, but I think even more so boys need to experience adventure, to experience some risk, to have the opportunity to fall down and skin their knee or climb a hill and get dirty. They need to experience real adventure. And I cite some research and other things in the book, because I think it's so important for people to realize that if boys are given the right freedoms and opportunities to experience adventure that are appropriate to their age, of course, they're a lot less likely to get into trouble seeking adventure in unhealthy places. And so that might be via online, different, whether it's gaming or interacting with people getting into trouble online, or whether it's drugs and alcohol or sexual promiscuity, those are all adventure seeking activities. In one way or another, boys need adventure Boys need freedom. And so that's where we talk about setting boundaries that are appropriate, but then within those boundaries, give them freedom so that they can explore and get tired and feel like young men that are growing to be real men. So I think boundaries and freedoms are important. And then we included discipline in there because there's no doubt kids are going to want to bust the boundaries. Kids are going to want to push it. They're going to want to come up against you and say no to wherever you place those boundaries. And that's where discipline is required. It's biblical. It's the best thing for our kids. It's just what we have to do, like it or not. And most of us don't like it, but done well, discipline is absolutely key to boundaries and freedoms working. Yeah. I totally agree with you about the adventure thing. And what it makes me think about is, okay, we know that you know different boys have different personalities mm-hmm. and then some would push back and say that you know well not every boy is meant to be this like super hyper masculine rough, mm-hmm. rough and tumble climbing the mountains type of sure. person sure. some boys are more comfortable inside they're problem mm-hmm. solvers they're computer programmers <laughs> you that's know, right. that's right. but how do you see adventure fitting into the lifestyle of a man who's going to grow up to be that john wayne version of like no i love that you know i'm so glad glad you asked. I think that's really important and not so uncommon, really. And in that case, I say, you're still going to watch your boy and you're going to see him drawn to, you know, even my nine-year-old, he's really obsessed right now with outer space and studying the stars. And to me, that's adventure because he's looking out there at night through a telescope and then he's online and he's studying apps. And that's a heart of adventure. He wants to see what's out there, right? Whether it's building Lego towers or whether it's reading books about adventure. I have a real book where my 18 year old reads thick books, but I know that part of it is he's escaping into some adventure in some other land or in some other time. So I think that if you look at it through the right lens, you're gonna find that boys in all different ways are truly experiencing adventure and seeking freedoms. And it's fun to kind of see how that plays out for different personalities. 
Oh, that is so cool. I love that. Thank you for explaining that. Now, as we develop, you know, the relationships, you give them appropriate boundaries, they have freedom, they have discipline. You talk in the book about coaching your sons through a growth mindset. And Mm -hmm. I love the questions that you list in here because it's a list Mm -hmm. of about 10 questions and you also have these printables available on your website Mm -hmm. at monicaswanson.com. So please go and check out Monica's website for all these fun things. But these questions that you have here, like, what did you learn from today's game? Not just like, how did it go? Right. Because mm-hmm. boys aren't going to yes, want to yes. be with all the words sometimes, you know, what, right, right. Why did you feel the need to list yeah. you know, examples of questions for us? No, these were really exciting for me to find. Um, I think I read the book. There's a book called Mindset. And it was about the time I was starting to write my book that I started to discover just that slight difference in the kind of questions we ask our sons. And I started to experiment by using them with my boys. And I just found such great treasures as we shifted the way we talked to them. So it wasn't just, you know, who won the game or if they're bummed because my son just, you know, homeschooling, struggling with a concept or a math problem. And instead of just being like, you know, you got it wrong. Well, where was the challenge and how could we overcome that challenge? And it's just this little shift that starts to give them a growth mindset. I guess I learned along the way that the growth mindset is all about believing that you don't have a fixed intelligence or fixed giftings, but the way God's created us is that we can grow in the areas that are difficult for us, that we actually have potential to change. And I think some kids and some adults too get stuck in a mindset that I am who I am and I'll never change. And that is such a myth. And when we bust through that and learn the great truth that we can all grow and overcome obstacles and overcome challenges, then it opens up so many opportunities for us. I love to use these with our kids and ask questions about, well, and and again, part of this too is sharing your own stories. So instead of just saying something, how your day went, bringing up a challenge that you had and how you overcame that or some place where you might've failed that day, but what you learned from that failure and how you look forward to the next time you get to try again. So it's just a slight shift in how we communicate, but I think it's really helpful. Oh, yes. That vulnerability piece right there that you've mentioned, Mm. we've talked about that in other places in Practical Family, how Mm. important it is for adults to be vulnerable with Mm -hmm. their children, especially Mm -hmm. moms, you know, because we're the ones kind of raising them, nurturing them, wiping Mm -hmm. them, you know, bathing them, you know, we're we're making sure they stay alive, right? Mm -hmm. So there's that guidance and that teaching, but when they're able to see us in a place that's not so maybe perfect looking, you know, it helps us to have that empathy for each other, for sure. Absolutely. And it just gives them tools and language too. I think sometimes they don't know how to communicate the fact that they're frustrated with something and giving them the language. If we use it regularly in our own life, then they're going to start to adopt that and try it out for themselves. Definitely. I love that. So as we talk about more their mental health, we're helping to guide them in positive directions to help them grow to be better people, to work on their character. And you talk about so many different character building Mm -hmm. things that you've done with your kids in your book here. And you also talk about the food, the physical (laughs) health, you're big into health and all of that. And I want parents to pick up the book and get that. But for the rest of this interview, at least, I'm going to focus on the mental, emotional, spiritual Mm -hmm. part of it. Something that moms tend to say that they fear is when the kids reach 
this age of adolescence and they have to start mm. protecting them against dangers online, mm -hmm. particularly, mm -hmm. you know, images, pornography, things like that. Mm -hmm. But even more so like, oh my gosh, how do I approach just the subject of sexuality with them? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. am I supposed to talk about that with my son yeah. or should I leave that to my husband or whatever? Uh -huh. How right. has that played out for you guys? Sure. And, and what do you find is the most important thing for helping right. to guide boys? Yeah. Well, I think that when kids are little, for the listeners who have young kids, we tend to stress out maybe more than we need to thinking it's going to be this big deal and it's going to be so awful. But things tend to begin to work out naturally, especially as far as the roles that mom and dad play. And I think this is one thing I encourage the moms to not get too stuck in the mentality that, oh, this is dad's job. But what I say is whoever is the more natural communicator, whoever talks more, which in our case happens to be me, even though my husband's a guy and a physician, when it comes to topics like sexuality and all that, I'm just the one more comfortable talking. So I've just given myself permission and asked my husband if that's okay with him, if I just teach throughout the day as things come up, look for that opportunity to talk about things and to talk openly. And you want to be on the same page with your husband as much as possible. And sometimes that takes talking through things or getting a book to help guide you or getting some outside counsel for sure. Because it's tough. We're not always on the same page. But um, then as they grow older, I think with things like the internet, we really can't just assume everything's going to be okay. We need to be on our game and we need to be intentional. I'm a big advocate of filters and accountability software, those kind of things, because kids don't have to go looking for things online, things will find them. And even if you have everything set up in place, eventually kids will stumble upon inappropriate images or inappropriate websites or apps through a friend, through something on accident. It just happens and so preparing them by talking about things. I have a friend who always says, talk about things before they're things. And I love that because I think we need to be one step ahead when it comes to all this. And usually it's younger than we realize. We don't think that we need to start talking at, you know, my nine-year-old. I just talk about things even though it makes him awkward and squirm. And I'm like, we just got to put it out there because eventually this is something you will face. So I think communication is huge. And, and for the moms who aren't big communicators, if you're not as comfortable, I say just fake it. Just put it out there. Walk into it. Open it up they don't know that you're not comfortable. Just pretend you are. And eventually you'll become more comfortable because, you know, none of us are very comfortable on this topic, right? Yeah. That's, that's the short answer. <laughs> no, I, I get it. I get it. I'm just picturing a scenario with a super uncomfortable mom. Oh, I know. And poor right? thing. I'm just like, oh, poor thing. Like she's like, because I can always picture it because I have friends who have kind of asked about this, like, well, how do I start? What do I even say? Do yeah, I just ask, yeah. start talking to him about his thing like what do I <laughs> totally. well this is where I have relied heavily on books okay um, there you there go there's a series of books <laughs> I'll give you the link so that you can include it in show notes but it's like God's design for sex I believe and it's a mm -hmm. series put out by family life I'm pretty sure yes, and they yes. have the real young one and then the next one you know one is like ages three to five and then the next one is early elementary. And then you get to the age where you're like, here's the book, go read it. Tell me if you have any questions because <laughs> like, I'm not going to sit down with a 15 year old and read this. That's and then true. the other book I have to shout out, which maybe you've mentioned in other episodes, I'm not sure, but Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. Yes. Oh, that I have is, it right here. It's right. Oh, yes. here it is. Here it is. Let me That's, just show people. Yep. 
That's one of my favorite resources that I highly recommend. Yes, it's so that simple. Book. And then they have one also called the Junior Edition that's for the younger kids. Mm. But this, I think their main book is good for, you know, a good range of age. And this is thankfully the tool I've used to talk about pornography because it's like, okay, sex is hard enough to talk about. How do you bring up pornography? Like most of us don't have a clue how to start that conversation and good pictures, bad pictures is such a great resource to sit down, walk through it with your child. It opens up that topic. And so now it's out there. So now you can call it what it is. You don't have to make up names. You can just refer to them as bad pictures, but yes, also talk about what pornography is. And then you have that to return to as you need to later. So good. Love it. I'm going to mention two more resources that I'm uh, familiar with briefly, and then all of this will be in the show notes, all of these great things. So you mentioned family life and then Luke and Trisha Gilkerson, who we've had on the podcast Mm. a couple times, they Mm -hmm. are from intoxicatedonlife.com and they've written the series, the talk they've written just as simple. It's as simple as this kind of thing, but it's more curriculum based. And it's basically Mm. how to walk through everything from anatomy to feelings to, Mm. you know, function and all of that. And both of them, this husband and wife team have come together so beautifully on this. I love it. And they have, I believe they have mostly boys also. Yeah. They're a boy family too. And they, and they do other curriculums as well, right? They do oh, homeschool yes. curriculums. Yeah. They create right. beautiful homeschool curriculums yeah. in science, in astronomy and mm-hmm. biology. Yes. Yes. I need to get that astronomy for my Yeah, it's open right now. Actually, they open it twice a year. So yeah, go go check that out. Then my friend Dean Conoshero has created the Family Tech Game Plan, actually. So the Parenthood Life is their ministry, their podcast. And the Family Tech Game Plan is a full on course. He has done all the research behind what are the best filters to have, um, how to talk with your kids through these things. So part of the course, when when you buy into it, you're there in this community. And then he makes videos just for parents to watch together, to talk about together, and then videos for parents and kids to watch. So he'll differentiate between the two and then walk you through. And he's a dad of seven kids and they've done a an amazing job there. So anyway, there's a short little commercials for resources, but we know that these resources are so important as Mm -hmm. well as, you know, when you pick up Monica's book, Boy Mom, just know that you're going to be diving into the world of boy momming, but also we all need help to focus our minds on the things that are most important because I think mm-hmm. we can find ourselves just like putting out fires and mm-hmm. you know, oh, he got into this again or he made a mess here. And it's like, and we can be distracted by the urgency of the things that are happening instead of taking that step back and yep. gaining the perspective we need as parents to just rest. Zooming out, we call that zooming out. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. We need to zoom yeah, out. I love that. Yep. <laughs> it's I love the, it. the most modern tech way of explaining uh, <laughs> because it's like zoom out. and understand our boys from um, a heavenly perspective because they Mm. are gifts. They're gifts Mm -hmm. from the Lord and we need, we need that. So Monica, anything that you would leave our audience with today? Just Uh, an extra reminder or encouragement? Sure. Sure. Well, I love what you said right there because I do think, you know, I opened the book by talking about being a younger mom and just the overwhelm because there's so many voices and so many pressures. And then as they get older, you're stressed out about, their grades, their SAT scores in college. And I think that things can start to spin and then we start to spin. And sometimes what I think we do as moms is 
we almost by default will just block it out and not deal with the things that are hard, whether it's internet safety or whether it's their feelings or whether it's character. And we're like, well, I don't know, but I've done all I can. And we just throw our hands up in the air. So my encouragement and what I hope to do through the book is to really say, especially as we hit the middle school and high school years, your job's not done. This is where it really matters. You know, yes, you've taught them everything they might need to know, but now it's your job to coach them through. And so I encourage moms to not allow the overwhelm to take you down and take you out, but to back up, zoom out, take a deep breath, pray, and then look at the things that matter most. And there's not too many things that matter a whole lot. There's a lot of things that flood our lives and our minds and the activities and the busyness. And I think during the quarantine, one thing I found is just, you know, the simplicity has caused us all to say, we didn't need a lot of that stuff we all did. So when it's over and done, which I hope is very soon, I hope that we do take with us some of that simplicity of what are the things that matter, those family meals around the table, the time to read and pray with your kids, the lessons in character, the things that really matter most will go with them for a lifetime, whereas a lot of the stuff we fill our days with don't really matter that much. So I encourage moms to slow down, zoom out and really think about the things that they're going to take with them far into the future and not get overwhelmed by all the noise and other things and then not grow weary. You know, I Galatians 6, 9, do not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. And I think as moms, there's that temptation to give up, even if it doesn't look like it on the outside. We know inside when we're giving up. So don't give up, moms. Just press on, but press on doing the right things and not just the busyness. So that would be my word of encouragement. Mm, amen. Well, thank you so much, Monica, for joining us today on the Practical Family Podcast. Once mm. again, her book is called Boy Mom, What Your Son Needs Most from You. Mm, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. This has been Jen Bryant with the Practical Family Podcast. I'm just going to end this time here by saying that you can do it, mom. You know, whether you're a boy mom or a girl mom or both, you can do it and you have what it takes to raise a family who knows and loves God, who are good people, who love and respect each other. And so we are here for you today at Practical Family to help to strengthen you for real life struggles, to embrace your gifts and embrace grace. Thank you.